Happy New Year, Bird Gang. That is right. It is the first day of the new league year. It's also St. Patrick's Day, which seems fitting. Green is the word of the day. On today's show, the Cardinals go green at wide receiver. And the one thing we know Sean Kugler would prefer to avoid, green offensive linemen. He likes experience up front. Check and double check. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 405, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Wow. You talk about making a splash here in free agency, MJ, and let's not ignore the fact that it really began the first of the month with the addition of J.J. Watt, but now you've addressed not only the offensive line, the defensive line, and you've added a playmaker here on this first day of the new league year. I know we're doing a podcast. You ought to see the smile on my face and your face. And it's happy new season, year, whatever you want to phrase it. Um, But this is the official day where teams have to be under the salary cap. We know teams are scrambling to get under the cap. And, you know, over the last couple of days, you hear a lot of aggregate terms. And now we're getting official news. And, of course, you can't make trades until the legal season opens up. And to hear the Cardinals made a trade. But – before we get into all that, I think I think it was very clear going into the offseason, the personnel department, starting at the top, Steve Kime, made a priority to get better in the trenches. And we all used the postseason, including the Super Bowl. And when you look at that, J.J. Watt, check. Rodney Hudson, check. They went out and got one of the best centers we weren't talking about him, Craig, because he wasn't available until today. There was rumors they were going to release him, and the Cardinals decided to make a trade. So you talk about sending a message, and I think there's one guy, I'm sure a lot of guys are going to be, I know one guy is going to be really thrilled about this. And that would K-1. be the starting quarterback. K-1. Yes. Kyler Murray is going to like the fact that the offensive line was improved not only at the center position but you bring back Kelvin Beecham you get a playmaker in A.J. Green and then on the other side the defense better as well because J.J. Watt is in the fold a lot to get to here Bird Gang and let's just begin with how this day started and that was the initial reports about A.J. Green and the Cardinals agreeing to terms that one-year deal is now official And here you have the answer, that playmaker, that wide receiver opposites of DeAndre Hopkins. Six foot four, 210 pounds. Yeah, he's long in the tooth, but that wingspan and just that ability to take some of the pressure off of Hopkins, I think, is going to be what this offense really needs. We can pencil him as a number two receiver. He'll be on the outside. We know Hopkins usually lines up as the X receiver on the left side. The Cardinals did a better uh, opportunity, better uh, uh, moving him around late in the year. So, but they finally found that uh, that wide receiver that can 
basically take the top off the defense. Not talking about speed. I'm talking about just straight line runner, great on the 50-50 balls. Um, I can't tell you, uh, you know, what a wonderful person he has been. I know that maybe last year uh, wasn't going well, so maybe there's times when you're not focused in the game, and it was it was it was shown. But you take body of work. Um, clearly, he's not the same player he was a couple of years ago. But the Cardinals don't need a number one wide receiver. No, they, they yeah. Opposite of Hopkins, they needed someone to fill that playmaker status and. You know, outside of Christian Kirk, which has shown flashes, we just haven't seen that out of uh, Keyshawn Johnson or Nandy Isabella. But those are smaller receivers. This is a taller wide receiver to where I think you can now take some more chances if you're Kyler Murray to where you're not just looking to the left, but you can now look to the right. And then the trickle down effect is you move guys now into where they're more natural positions. Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, you slide them into the slot. If Larry Fitzgerald decides to come back, you move him into the slot. And now all of a sudden, I do think you've got that one-two punch that you like to talk about at the running back position, but now you have it at the wide receiver position, and that's what was lacking. And I guess we got to talk about guys on the roster, right? So right now, Christian Kirk would be your slot receiver, and that's his natural role. Now we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with Larry. Clearly, the Cardinals are giving him enough time. Um, today's the first day where teams obviously have to get under the cap. So, um, but I think Christian Kirk's natural uh, is playing in the slot. Andy Isabella, if they want to go four wide and they want to put some speed on the field, you can get him involved. Uh, obviously, you got to get off press coverage. You got to get separation, but it gives him a little bit more flexibility. But if I had to guess, depending on what happens with Larry, their top three receivers would be Hopkins. Um, you throw in green and then Christian Kirk, and then we'll see what happens uh, when it comes to the draft. But I don't think the wide receiver is a priority going into the NFL draft. Doesn't mean they won't address the position. I do think, depending on how the draft falls, they could still look, especially if it's one of those top three. But I understand what you're saying. It's no longer a need, it's no longer a priority. Maybe it becomes day two or day three, because again, green is under contract for just one year and he'll be 33. When the season begins, he turns 33 in July, and then we have to talk about it because it's going to be addressed, and I'm sure the Cardinals addressed it as well in-house as far as just his durability. He did play all 16 games last season, but like a J.J. Watt, he's only played a full 16 games twice over the past five seasons. He missed a total of 29 games over that five season span including the entire 2019 season because of an ankle issue so if he is healthy and he was healthy last season that's important to note you're not getting a player coming off an injury he had an entire season in which he showed he was healthy now you look at his numbers MJ and they're not great but let's not forget what he was operating inside of as far as an offensive scheme in Cincinnati a rookie quarterback rookie quarterback who then gets hurt and then a couple of unknowns. And that is why I think there was a drop-off for A.J. Green here this past season. Joe Burrow got off to a good start, but he ended up getting hurt. And then he had to go with uh, Allen and, and Ryan Finley, the local product. And, you know, obviously that's difficult for those guys. They're probably running for their life. And let's go back to when Joe Burrow was in there and we know that he suffered a, an ACL injury. They didn't have the greatest protection up front. And I do give Zach Taylor a lot of credit because he tried to mass protect to protect Joe Burrow. But 
if your quarterback's getting hit all the time, they'll get the tendency to get gun shy. And so the receivers, they can run great routes, get separation, but the ball's not going to get there. You know, listen, uh, expectations for me, four or five, six catches a game, uh, you know, 50, 60 yards, uh, you know, get in the red zone, get on third down. Um, he's going to go be going against the second corner. Um, he's savvy in his route running. Um, you know, when the Cardinals went to Cincinnati a couple of years ago, uh, when Andy Dalton was there, um, you know, he has a lot of uh, respect for Larry Fitzgerald. And, uh, you know, Larry is, is is kind of a mentor to, for him. So you can just see the way he approaches the game on and off the field. Let's go back to the numbers and breakdown last season for A.J. Green because you have a known commodity in a veteran wide receiver and an unknown in a number one overall draft pick in Joe Burrow. But remember – Burrow got hurt, and it was 10 games into the regular season. So if you look at what A.J. Green did with Burrow and then look how he finished the season with Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley, that I think is important to note because a bulk of Green's numbers came with Burrow at quarterback. 34 catches, 352 yards, and one touchdown. And then he closed the season with 13 catches, 171 yards, and one touchdown over the last six games when Allen and Finley and the Bengals were still trying to figure out what to do at the quarterback position. And really, for all intents and purposes, once Burrow went out, the Bengals season was done, MJ. And really, for them, 2020 was all about the future, not so much the immediacy. And I think for A.J. Green, not that he expressed frustration or was a malcontent, but now, for me personally, you know, I'm now leaving – a Cincinnati Bengals franchise that is still trying to get to that next step as far as early stages, now joining a team with a proven quarterback, a proven number one wide receiver, and a team that is, we hope, destined to take that gigantic step forward and get into the postseason. And you know what, Craig? When you when you start to get into your 30s and you live back east and you get out up in the morning and you're, you see feel the sunshine, it feels good on the body. We talk about those guys making that, you know, that play in those cold weather cities in November, December, and they leave their vehicle to get into the facility. They those bones feel a little bit different. So again, I'm not saying he's hitting the reset button, but I think he would like to play a few more years. Yes, it's a one-year deal, and Cardinals will figure that out in the future. We know Hop's under contract. Christian Kirk's coming up here soon, but, you know, I think it's important for him uh, to go to a place and, and, you know, you love to see a guy that was drafted that high. You like to see guys play in one city and one team, but at this point in his career, it wasn't, it wasn't feasible for him. Now there is a story here. And if you go back to that draft. Talking about 2011. 2011. Thank you, Craig. Ken Wisner was the head coach. Cincinnati had the fourth pick in the draft. And there was a lot of talk because if you look at their history, they draft a lot of corners. And there was talk they would have taken Patrick Peterson. And I was told after the draft, if they had taken Patrick Peterson, the Cardinals were taking A.J. Green. With the fifth overall pick. With the fifth overall pick. Now, you know, Obviously, that's in the past, and Patrick Peterson has had a great career. You know, I'm, you know, unfortunately, he's going to be a, a free agent, and, and I know people are down on him, but I still think 
uh, he had a great Cardinal career. Unfortunately, we'll just have to see what, what happens here. But yeah, just kind of full circle for A.J. Green, even though he was never coming here, but now he's with the Cardinals. Ten years with the Bengals. His 11th season will be wearing an Arizona Cardinals uniform, a seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time second-team All-Pro. Also, by the way, speaking of that 2011 NFL draft, J.J. Watt was the 11th overall pick. So maybe there is some relationship with Green and Watt because we know about these draft prospects for Jabond as they get ready for the draft and then wherever they might, might, might wind up. All right, now let's stay on the offensive end here because as much as I think the A.J. Green signing is going to get a lot of the attention – and probably lead most of the highlight shows, sportscasts, news shows, whatever you want to call it, perhaps maybe the most important move here on this March 17th is the acquisition of center Rodney Hudson, acquired from the Raiders for a 2021 third-round pick. Cardinals also get a seventh-round pick in the deal, so they still have five total draft picks here coming up in April. But you have just added a three-time Pro Bowler who, yes, will be 32 when the season begins, but he seems to be getting better with age, MJ. He is a three-time Pro Bowler over the past five seasons, and it certainly does address a need, not that Green does not, but a need that at the end of the season, maybe we weren't talking about it, but we know the coaching staff was because we heard from offensive line coach and run game coordinator Sean Kugler that he wasn't quite happy. I'm putting words in his mouth here, but based off his talk about Mason Cole and Lamont Gilliard, they wanted to get better at the center position. And this automatically makes them better at the center spot. Huge upgrade. No disrespect to Mason Cole and Lamont Gilliard. They wanted to get better. And as I, we started the show, they wanted to make a point to make sure they're going to protect Kyler Murray. And it's, it's for the whole team. But, you know, Kyler Murray had some, some retweets and subtweets. And he wanted, you know, he, it wasn't just the offensive line. Jim Nagy, if you're not familiar, he runs a senior ball. And he said, Look, watch the Super Bowl and the teams won in the trenches. And Murray retweeted that. And then other ways you can, you know, figure it out that he wants – Protection. I mean, any quarterback would want that. And so let's back up a little bit. So the Cardinals initially were going to go after Corey Lindsley. And he made a decision to go to the Chargers. And he had a little intel with Brian Boalaga, who played with him with the Packers. So again, relationships matter. And then all of a sudden, we got wind yesterday that possibly Hudson was going to be uh, released. And being a vested vet, you don't have to worry about clearing waivers. You would just be a street-free agent. And then fast forward this morning, there was speculation that eh, maybe they're not going to release him. And at that point, the Cardinals, yes, they only have five draft picks. But you look at the three uh, third-round picks over the last few years, we know they need to get better in the draft. Steve Kine would admit that. But we know when he pulls off trades, they usually work out. So make a long story short, the Cardinals decided we're going to make this trade, and they're able to come up to, to terms – uh, based on his contract. So this is a home run. Nothing against Corey Lindsley. Um, I think he's a better player in Hudson. The only problem is we did, he wasn't available yesterday, two days ago. He became available today. 
Yeah, 24 hours ago when, well, actually, this probably goes back, you know, a few days, a few weeks when we were looking at the interior of the offensive line, I think really focusing on the center position because I do think they are good at the guard spot with Justin Pugh, and now you've got either Justin Murray or Josh Jones on the right side to battle it out. Maybe Max Garcia comes back and he becomes an option. Who knows? But that center position, you mentioned Lindsley. He became a focal point, and then his decision to go to the Chargers, you know, like, all right, well, you lost out there. And then you wake up this morning to the news that Alex Mack is nearing a deal with the 49ers, another name that you are high on. You're like, okay, well, there goes another name. And then you start connecting dots like, well, who's left? And this Hudson conversation pops up that always going to get released. Well, it didn't become official to your point, MJ, until this morning. And then it became, well, it never became official because they were going to work out a trade. And you're like, all right, well, how do you do this? And once again, and I was talking to you earlier in the day, Steve Keim and his history of draft, or excuse me, his history of trades, but more importantly, his history with trades and the Raiders, acquiring Carson Palmer and reuniting his career. Not that that needs to happen with Hudson, but once again, you have gotten someone to bolster the offensive line. And as B-Train likes to say, inside out, well, you've got a pro bowler at the center position to snap the ball to Kyler Murray. And getting back to Alex Mack, the reason why I was high, because, you know, clearly everyone was focused on Corey Lindsley and made sense, 29 years old, coming off a really good year. Now, I didn't know this until this morning, but Kyle Shanahan has history with Alex Mack, maybe even going back to Cleveland when he was assistant, and then he was in Atlanta. And he said he'd be enticed of playing with the Niners. And then they obviously overnight re-upped their left tackle on Trent Williams, and they signed Alex Mack. But one thing I'll give the Cardinals credit for, they didn't get desperate and go to the next guy. Now it would have been Alex Mack. Maybe they got wind that he's going to San Francisco. The next guy would have been Nick Martin. That's what teams do. You go to the next guy. They did not get desperate, knowing that they lost out on the guy they wanted. However, less than 12 or 14 hours later, they got a guy that has, yeah, he may be three years older, but his numbers are a lot better. And nothing against Lindsley. Hope he has a great career. Um, But this couldn't have worked out better for the Arizona Cardinals. Pro football focus, and you can use these stats – for your arguments or to prove your arguments incorrect, because I think sometimes people use it to to help whatever viewpoint they have on a certain player. But without knowing too much about Hudson as he plays in the AFC West, but according to Pro Football Focus, Hudson is first among all centers since 2015 with a 93.6 pass blocking grade. And that's what you're looking for when you are throwing the ball a lot. And with a mobile quarterback, we already saw that number of sacks drop from 48 to 27. And I think that number is only going to get better. So, yeah, Hudson is going to be a huge improvement. There is a relationship on the Cardinals, at least one that I know of. And I know it's on the other side of the ball. But Brenton Buckner, the Cardinals defensive line coach, was with the Raiders for a period of time after he left the Cardinals initially so there's another guy outside of Sean Kugel that that might have been in there going yes he's legit yes let's do whatever we can to bring him into this team and add him to our offensive line Hudson's going to make the other four guys even better 
not, you know, DJ Humphreys obviously probably still reaching his peak. We know Justin Pugh's coming off a really good season, you know, getting over the 30 age. And then you start looking at the center position now, huge upgrade. Um, and then the right side. So I think he'll make the line a lot better. Um, but also just the fact that the, the physicality and when you look at the last five years, over 30, close to 3,500 snaps, he's only given up three sacks, three sacks. So when you're watching film, you're like, what are the Raiders thinking? Thank you. Exactly. Thank you very much. And what is what the knock is on the J.J. Watt and even the A.J. Green moves is their durability, their availability. Well, you can't have that knock on a Rodney Hudson as you look at what he has done starting all 16 games in four of the last five years. And MJ, that one year he didn't start all 16. He started 15 and still made the Pro Bowl in 2019 so this is someone that you can count on and I do think someone as to your point now not so much with a Justin Pugh to his left but to his right two younger players Justin Murray and or Josh Jones and now all of a sudden you've got some experience on either side of the right guard that can help a younger player talking about with Hudson and Beecham now back in the fold we'll get to him in a moment but I really am intrigued the more I look and the more I read about Rodney Hudson he certainly sounds like someone that has maybe fallen in the lap of the Cardinals this is you you can't tell me that they're going in and saying hey what's our witch list well one he's not on your list because he's on another team and then this just magically pops up out of thin air so to speak almost like a DeAndre Hopkins a year ago because you know you we can't account for trades it's fun to play fantasy football but uh, general managers speak, players speak, and uh, maybe the Cardinals did have an idea that this was going to come, but probably not earlier than a week ago or maybe even a couple of days ago. Yeah, once the dust settles, I think we'll know more. Did they ask him to reduce you know, his salary? Uh, was he, did he have any kind of bonus that was going to kick in? And, you know, everyone you know looks at John Gruden. He's a, he's, he's a cartoon character, and he, we know that he knows football, but a lot of times, you know, it's about the players. It's not about the head coach. And sometimes, you know, I think Gruden is, he wants to win. I think he knows how to win, win in the Super Bowl with Tampa. But sometimes it's not a cup of tea for a lot of guys. And maybe, that you know, again, just speculating. But when the dust settles, um, there's got to be a reason. Um, they've And maybe the reason is we're just going to have a different philosophy with the offensive line. You know, you, Richie Incognito was released. He's going back. And then you look at Gabe Jackson. Um, he was released, and they really wanted to have a big offensive line. Trent Brown, uh, he was traded back to New England. So maybe their philosophy is changing what they want to do. Maybe they need to get smaller and more athletic, where the thought was with, with John Gruden, I want big physical. We're going to line up, and you wonder what the running back thinks, Josh Jacobs now, because you know that puts a lot more pressure on him and Derek Carr. Again, that's their worry, not ours. Um, but along those lines, you just wonder, you know, Brinson Buckner teaches the D-line. Well, in training camp, they go against the offensive line. So he knows and has intel on Hudson and how physical he can be. So those matchups are going to be very interesting when we get to one-on-one -on -one drills and then obviously a little bit of scrimmage. Nobody wants to get hurt, stay on your feet. But 
But Buckner has intel just based on what he's able to see in practice. And I just looked it up because I didn't want to say without making sure, but Justin Murray played with Rodney Hudson for one season in 2018 with the Raiders. Now, they weren't on the field at the same time a lot, but as far as being in that locker room and being a familiar face, I think is important because outside of Buckner and Murray, you know, just how many familiar faces are in that locker room for a guy like a Rodney Hudson. And that all helps bringing you, you know, that, that acclimation period of the transition period to kind of get a little bit uh, more comfortable in your new surroundings. And then this morning you find out that possibly Kansas City would like to bring him back. And all that we know that they went out and spent $80 million on a guard. Um, and we know that Patrick Mahomes and a few other players restructured contracts so they can try to protect him. Uh, we also know that two of their tackles um, obviously weren't available for the Super Bowl. They might try to bring back Mike Remmers, Eric Fisher, and then Mitchell Schwartz. So and clearly they got issues there, but I, I was – because he played there. I was wondering about the relationship there. Um, but once again, without knowing all the details, give the Cardinals organization, starting with Steve Kime, a lot of credit from standpoint of they were aggressive once he became somewhat available. You have to make that trade. You have to willing to pick up that contract. And so there's a little bit more details that go involved in saying that we just want the guy. You're absorbing his contract. It's hard to find stats with offensive linemen, but here's one stat that I really, really, really like about Hudson. Zero penalties in 2020. He was not flagged one time last year, MJ. And what did we talk about what killed the Cardinals and how many stall drives on the offensive end, the number of penalties that this team had, something that I know is going to be addressed and has probably already, but every single day that has to be hammered home, not just with for the guys that we've talked about, but everyone on that team, the pre-snap, the post-snap, those penalties cannot happen. We talk about J.J. Watt when he walks in the locker room, he's got skins on the wall. And in, in, from a national standpoint, J.J. Watt's a pass rusher. So maybe Rodney Hudson won't get the, uh, you know, people aren't aware of him. But I'm telling you, players in the league are aware of him. Players that have gone against him are aware of him. I don't think he's going to tolerate those false start penalties. If he's not committing penalties, and this isn't a knock on Mason Cole, but there were back-to-back games, they had four false start penalties. Now, a lot of that can be, you know, um, when you're running a hurry-up offense and you're, you're, you're maybe switching players. So, um, But clearly, you don't want to start off first and 15. So I don't think he's going to tolerate just because if he's not doing it, it shouldn't happen. And he'll have instant credibility based on his, his, his career, based on how good he is. And, and not that he's taken a, somebody's taken a back seat to him, but th- those guys know that he's been in the trenches and he's been through a, a lot of things and he's going to bring out the best in everyone on that offensive line. And by the way, a second round pick in the 2011 NFL draft. So you got to have connections. Well, you just added the fourth overall pick, the 11th overall pick, and now the second round selection in Rodney Hudson. The Cardinals looking at 2011. Ten years later, 
here in 2021. We'll see how it all materializes. And of course, to keep track on all of the Cardinals move, the free agency tracker is live on azcardinals.com. You can see what the Cardinals have done, and then you can see what players still are on the market as far as those 28 unrestricted free agents. A number now, MJ, that is down to officially 25 because since our last show, one, Calvin Beecham has signed a two-year contract, and Tanner Vallejo has signed a two-year contract. But let's talk about Beecham because that news broke yesterday, but we had a chance to hear from Beecham earlier today. And he's one of those guys that, you know, he could talk all day long, love hearing him speak. He's very matter-of-fact. He was excited about coming back and then mentioned competing for the right tackle position. Well, it's always a competition, but let's face it, Bird Gang, for the first team out there, those first five guys, uh, the right tackle is going to be Kelvin Beecham. And you look along those lines. I mean, the fact is, and we'll get into some of the things he said, but he started all 16 games last year. And the fact that he started all 16 games, you know, didn't have to worry about the durability, didn't really see him on the, on the injury report through the week. Um, he, he's kind of a voice of reason. I mean, I like listening, listening to him talk because he's not going to give you cliches. He's a straight shooter. He's not really going to call anybody out, but he knows what's going on. He's been around long enough. And he said he had some other op- options on the East Coast. And, um, you know, he's raising his family here. And, you know, as a player, when you get certain age and you got young kids or even, you know, infants, you don't want to move sometimes. And so, and I think he's entrenched himself well in the Valley. I know he does a lot of things off the field, but from a football aspect, you know, it's, it's good to have continuity, especially at that position. We know how much he likes and uh, enjoys playing for Sean Coogler. And so to me, it was a no brainer. Uh, you know, you never know when a, a former team is going to make an offer to him because uh, Steelers have shuffled their coaching staff and he had relationships uh, with the new offensive line coach there. And that was a rumor that he would consider going back there. But you're going to inform me that he was with Sean Kugler in Pittsburgh. The relationship. And that's another buzzword we've uh, adopted here this offseason because it does matter and it is a huge deal. In fact, it was, in Beecham's words, quote, the single most important factor, end quotes, in him not only joining the Cardinals last offseason, but re-signing this season. And that was the relationship that Beecham has with Coach Kugler, who, according to Beecham, quote, I probably wouldn't play right tackle for another coach, just being honest with you, end quote. Says a lot when maybe it's not your preference, but you're willing to do whatever it takes because, one, you want to win, but you believe more importantly in who is leading you, and that is Coach Kugler. So uh, a big tip the cap to Coach Sean Kugler for getting Kelvin Beecham in 2020 and now returning in 2021. How much has Sean Kugler meant to this uh, franchise, you know, more on the offensive side? Now, again, it's about wins and losses, so I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, you know, five to eight wins. But what your eyes tell you what they've done over the last couple of years, the running game has been night and day. Yes, it tailed off a little bit. They were rotating players, keeping guys fresh. Sweezy was breaking down. But, you know, they've, you, Cardinals over the years, you know, Jim Johnson, 
they've had good coaches, but I, I, I can't remember or recall a guy that's had this much impact. And when we talk to the players, I know they're not going to say anything negative, but they go out of their way to, to give the respect for Sean Cooler. To sit there and say, the reason why I decided to come back here is because of Sean Cooler. The money was going to be there, okay? Yes, you'd have to move everything else. There's a lot of factors. Once again, relationships. Yeah, it's huge as we talk here on this day one of the new league year, also St. Patrick's Day. On this March 17th, Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. One other thing I want to mention with Beecham because he was asked about the offense overall, and a couple of points that he made is the fact that this team needs to be more consistent. But then he brought up the run game, and it's always good when what we see is echoed by the player. Sometimes it always doesn't always help in, uh, publicly. But the fact that he brought up what we had talked about when we talk about the running back situation, that they did a great job running the football in 2020. That cannot be argued. The numbers are there. But running effectively at the end of the season, here are the numbers, MJ. Through the first nine games, Cardinals averaged almost 5.3 yards a carry. The last seven games, that number dropped under four. 3.75. And I think that to Beecham's point is what he was talking about. It's great to have a good running game, but it matters more in November and December. How are you closing out the regular season? How are you closing out games? You have to have an effective running game. And the Cardinals did not to end the season. And that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why they did not make the postseason. And one of the reasons why they went out and got a center. Yes. I mean, that, that, that was probably the, you know, again, Pew coming off a good year. I'm sure he, there's always room for improvement, run blocking, pass protection. We know DJ Humphreys is, is, I mean, he's one of the better left tackles in football. He's not even in the top five or eight when it comes to average per year. Uh, but there was an issue at, at, at you, let's be honest, there was an issue at the center spot and at, at times right guard. I'm a big J.R. Sweezy fan. He's played a lot of football. You know, he wore down a little bit, but he, he always was out there. There was never, he doesn't miss practice. I mean, he's sweating profusely during practices. So that tells me he's putting the work in, but then they wanted to go a little bit younger, maybe more athletic and Justin Murray. And then Calvin Beach was able to hold down the right side. And, you know, let's get a little credit to the tight ends because they helped out a little bit sometimes on the mass protection, but there's a reason why they went out and ID'd center going into the off season. All right, so as we end this discussion as far as the offensive line is concerned, as you look at it right now, and knock on wood, this is how it happens, and they're starting all 16 games, but left to right, MJ, DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, whether it's Justin Murray or Josh Jones or someone else at right guard, and then you're bookending it with Calvin Beecham, that to me is a very solid offensive line, a much improved offensive line on paper, yes, but I like those five guys, four that we know of, with the fifth at right guard to be determined to protect your most valuable assets in Kyler Murray and then open up rushing lanes for Chase Edmonds and whomever at running back. And the youngest guy in the line is Justin Murray, right? Yes, so you're not relying on and nothing against Mason Cole. I mean, he was thrown into the mix. Um, you know, Shipley went down during training camp and 
They needed a center, and he got over a thousand snaps. But he was a third round pick, and not saying third round picks don't have long careers. And, and you know, he obviously uh, was able to get the job early. You know, when when Shipley wasn't retained, um, so they they felt comfortable enough to put him in there. But as the season wore on, and listen, playing center undersized a little bit is not easy. I mean, you got to go against Aaron Donald twice a year, and I'm just using him as an example. Look at the NFC West. I mean, look at the Niners' defensive tackles. Look at Seattle's defensive tackles. They got and got Dunlop, and they got Jared Reed. It's not an easy position, and you get pushed around. And if you're getting pushed around, you get frustrated a little bit. That's not going to happen now. Now, I'm not saying it's not ever going to happen, but they have definitely upgraded that position, and I think it's going to help everyone across the board, including the receivers, because Kylo will have more protection and more time to do what he does best, and that is find the open receivers because we know he wants to throw the ball first before doing anything else. So, again, a lot of check marks here on day one and a couple of more check marks as well because news happens constantly across the National Football League. It's 24-7, and as we speak here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, the Cardinals have announced they've agreed to terms with veteran kicker Matt Prater on a two-year contract so we can put the Zane Gonzalez discussion to bed. But you have added a veteran and, let's go back to that word, relationship. Jeff Rogers, special teams coach, a relationship with his former Lions kicker, Matt Prater, is now the Arizona Cardinals kicker. And that is something, once again, we're talking about areas to upgrade this offseason. We talked about it. It doesn't get talked a lot about outside, but special teams, an area that this team addressed with the addition of Matt Prater. And it looks like, you know, when you when you look at the Lions, they had a young guy that they're ready to turn it over to. And, and for Matt Prater, it's probably been very difficult. And I didn't know this, but and we can get confirmation. I don't like to speak of things that I don't know are accurate, but it looked like um, if I got this right, Matt Prater's wife is a former Cardinals cheerleader. Okay, that I did not know. Yes. So we'll, we'll try to find out the details. I don't like throwing stuff out there, but I, I believe it was confirmation yesterday from someone that obviously would be in the know. Prater last season was good on 75% of his field goals and that 40 to 49 yard range, he was four of, excuse me, he was seven of seven, Bird Gang, 40 to 49 yards, that money range, if you will. Um, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, let me correct that once again as I'm tricking, trying to look here uh, as we speak here. Four of seven from 40 to 49 yards as far as he was last year. So again, you're looking for someone who knows how to handle that position and handle it in crunch time. And the Cardinals here in 2021 will have Matt Prater, a two-time Pro Bowler who has kicked in 203 career games, is now your kicker for the Arizona Cardinals. That's an upgrade. Um, I know that people were, were uh, you know, down on Zane Gonzalez and it's a production business and the Cardinals tried to hold on as long as they could. I was curious to see um, if they're going to try to bring him back at a lower rate. But at this point in time, um, they definitely felt comfortable enough with Jeff Rogers assessment. And as you pointed out, he was with them. So 
Um, you're talking about a veteran kicker. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford's put up points. They've been in close games, so it's not going to be it's not going to be pressure. Um, obviously, he's kicked indoors. He's going to get a chance to kick indoors. Uh, perfect surface. So you know, it's just a matter of him, and it won't take very long with Andy Lee and, and uh, Aaron Brewer. But the fact is, you've got a veteran kicker who's been in pressure kicks, and and as is young Zane Gonzalez, you're going to have pressure kicks, but this is more to where he's done it more and he's been more consistent over a period of time where when it came to Zane, very inconsistent in a short amount of time. Yeah. We, the Cardinals needed someone that they could count on going out there every single time and be that guy, not afraid to make the kicks and not that Zane was afraid. It's just when you're missing three field goals, in a five-game span, all under two minutes to go or an overtime, that that's not going to sit well. And, of course, the Cardinals move on. And it's now Matt Prater, 83.2% career field goal kicker uh, and has the record for longest field goal in NFL history, 64 yards. Yes, he's 36, but if you can kick in this league, you can kick for a very long time. Absolutely. And, 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 and the, and the thing is though, it's, you're talking about, you know, pressure kicks in the fourth quarter, you know, it's pressure all the time, but I'm just saying when it comes to these close games, um, I think they're going to be confident rolling Matt Prater out there where I think early on, we're, we liked Zane's uh, strong leg, but as the season went on, people were closing their eyes when he was making a kick. And, And again, that's just because inconsistency led to, decision-making, and the Cardinals decided it was time to move on. And on the subject of special teams, we brought up Tanner Vallejo earlier in the show, but someone that the Cardinals have used mostly on special teams, although he did get a taste of playing a little bit as far as inside linebacker late in the season, but someone I think the Cardinals like, and especially when you talk about Jeff Rogers, that relationship, someone that you can count on, and the Cardinals re-signing Tanner Vallejo to a two-year contract. We'll see just how much more he does on defense this coming season, but when you have an Isaiah Simmons and a Jordan Hicks, you do need a backup, maybe even a couple of different backups. So someone that we did see play, especially in Week 17, 64 of his 96 defensive snaps played all season happened in that final game. So maybe opening up some eyes, but nothing else, if nothing else, someone that you can throw out there on special teams and know that you've got someone who knows what they're doing. You can never have enough depth. And we're not talking about young players. This guy's, I mean, you know, you look at the Cardinals, they claimed him, um, you know, when he was, when they claimed those five guys, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's found a way to stay in the league and when you can hone your craft on special teams, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him on the field. You want to go back to that Seattle game. He made a huge tackle that led to the interception, Isaiah Simmons, on that drive. Guys were on the field. I think uh, Jordan Hicks was out. So you get a chance to play a little bit more. Um, But I think he's a perfect backup. Um, He knows his role. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, know, look at playing time. Sure, they all want to play more, but he understands his role. And once again, another guy that's done a good job keeping himself in the league. Before we sign on out of here, Bird Gang, and a reminder to keep track of all of the Cardinals' moves because 
You never know when they'll happen during the course of a day or even the course of a week. The free agency tracker is live and up at azcardinals.com. We also did have a chance to hear from Marcus Golden. We knew he was going to be back, but he held his reintroductory press conference, if you will, for the second time. We heard from him mid-season on the reacquisition. Now he resigns and gets another press conference earlier today. And again, he made it very clear, MJ, quote, I don't want to play nowhere else. I want to come here and help the Cardinals win, end quote. And glad to see that that is something that came to fruition. And Marcus Golden, hopefully on a two-year contract, ends his career with the Arizona Cardinals because that's what he wants. I'm excited to see him pair up with Chandler Jones. We talked about when they played together, he had 12 and a half sacks. Chandler had 10. Um, we know the uh, there's a great relationship there. Uh, he's learned a lot from a guy like Chandler Jones, but not, you know he wanted to be here. I love his energy. I love his passion. And he felt disrespected when he signed with the Giants. Um, and this is what happens when you bring in a new head coach and you got a new defensive coordinator. And, you know, they, they, they kind of limited his playing time. And then he gets comes to the Cardinals and obviously he gets a chance to rush the quarterback. So, you know, grass isn't always greener on the other side. He had to go out and see what he was worth. But um, like another guy I can listen to all the time just because – you know, you just love his passion and energy. He's so honest. Um, and, you know, he's got his family here. So, again, I, I just like the fact that it's nice to hear guys want to be here. You know, money talks and all that other stuff. But in his heart, he always felt he, like he was an Arizona Cardinal. And the reason why is because they drafted him. And real quick story here. When the Cardinals were watching film on Shane Ray, okay, Shane Ray went to the Broncos. Cardinals weren't going to take him in the first round or he went earlier in the draft. They looked at number, I want to say he was wearing 44. I could be mistaken, but that's how it works. Teams watch film. They see numbers. They watch Marcus Golden. They're like, he's making more plays than Shane Ray. And Shane Ray had, you know, marijuana coming out of college, which is now accepted more in the NFL. Make a long story short, Marcus Golden stood out and they thought he was a better player, had more upside than Shane Ray. And that Missouri. And stood out in his return last season, those eight starts and nine games overall, to the point where he did mention that there were other teams that reached out. But, quote, once I got the offer from the Cardinals, I wanted to make it work. I know where I wanted to be. I know I want to be an Arizona Cardinal. I want to be here and help this team, end quote. Plus, as he mentioned, MJ, he knows that he fits within this defense. He knows how he'll be utilized under defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. And, yes, money talks but what else matters? Fit. How do you fit? Are you going to play? Are you going to be successful when you are out on that field in order to keep making that money? So it goes both ways. Yeah, you want to make, you want to get paid, but at the same time, you don't want to be standing out there not doing your job to where you can't get that second, third, fourth contract. Craig, it's a very team player friendly contract. He's going to make two and a half million base salary for the next two years. And then he's got incentives. If he gets over 12 sacks a year, he can make up to two to four million over a two year span. So it's not like he was, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a hometown discount. He wanted to be here. He, he hits the plateau of, of the sacks. He'll make 9 million in two years, but the base salaries are 2.5. Very, very team friendly. And Marcus Golden was not trying to break the bank. No, he wanted to be here, and if he's productive, if he's successful, then yes, he can make more money, i.e. J.J. Watt. You get to so many sacks, then, of course, your dollar figures and that paycheck 
will increase as well. On the subject of outside linebackers, uh, quick congratulations and best of luck to Hassan Reddick. According to reports, he is on his way to the Carolina Panthers on a one-year deal, reuniting with his college head coach at Temple, Matt Rule. I know, Bird Gang, there were a lot of people that wanted to see Reddick back with the Arizona Cardinals, and perhaps maybe there was some interest on the Cardinals' part, but when you sign a J.J. Watt and you bring back a Marcus Golden, there just might not have been, and then hopefully Chandler Jones stays healthy. You look at opportunity and snaps, there might just not have been enough, and then, of course, money matters, and Hassan Reddick going to the Carolina Panthers wish nothing but the six, nothing but success for him who handled his five years with the Arizona Cardinals better than anyone else I would have ever imagined given his situation, the different head coaches, the different defensive coordinators, the different positions at linebacker and bouncing back and forth, never complained, was always ready. And once again, wish nothing but the, nothing but the best for Hassan Reddick. Well said. I couldn't agree more with you. He never complained. Uh, he accepted his role and, you know, obviously, you know, going into the fifth year, the Cardinals didn't pick up the option, but he obviously made the, uh, the most of the opportunity. And I do wish him luck. You know, uh, the question is going to be, can he do it again? Well, he's got Intel. Matt Rule was with him at Temple. He goes to the Senior Bowl, and all of a sudden he comes the 13th overall pick in the draft. And, uh, you know, I'm happy for him because, you know, you got to feel wanted. And I think the Cardinals wanted to retain him. But obviously, when you look at position flexibility, position spending, and let's not kid ourselves, J.J. Watt can be a guy that rushes the quarterback, too, and may come from different spots. So the Cardinals feel comfortable with J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, and Marcus Golden. And there's other guys that, you know, they're going to take a look at, you know, based on just depth as a whole. But I wish him luck, and I'm glad he got an opportunity to go out there and see what he's worth. By the way, I need to make one quick correction. I wish Hassan Reddick luck except for one game next season. Carolina Panthers are scheduled to play at State Farm Stadium in 2021. So that day only, Hassan, is the only day that I will root against you. Unless you have a good game and the Panthers lose, that would be, that would be the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's a given for me. I'm, I'm wishing him luck as, as his career goes into Carolina. Um, when he plays the Cardinals, he's the enemy. Exactly. By the way, we did get confirmation from our colleague, Lisa Matthews. Matt Prater's wife is not only from Arizona, but as you mentioned, a former Cardinals cheerleader. So uh, welcome back to Arizona as far as Mr. and Mrs. Prater are concerned. And so that's good. How old, how old is Matt Prater again? How old is he? He's 36. Yeah. Okay. And once again, what about the weather? <laughs> Maybe he's got a little, a little extra uh, length on the uh, kicks with the weather. Hey, but he, listen, you know this better than I do. Um, usually people come to Arizona to retire, Craig. <laughs> that is, now, that is, not that at is the true. Age of 36 is a kicker. He can kick for a few more years, not as J.J. Watt at 32 or Rodney Hudson. I'm not saying that. But, you know, a lot of guys come here and you, they, they have a press conference and they're wearing white shoes and I'm thinking they're thinking about retirement. But that's not happening here. But the weather doesn't hurt. Our number one industry in Arizona, travel and tourism. A huge first day for the Arizona Cardinals when it comes to the new league year. A lot of boxes checked. What's next? 
How about cornerback? How about running back? And then we can have another discussion. But I would think those two positions, MJ, we would hope to hear something, I don't know, sooner rather than later. Or At some point, I think that would be the next moves that this team is looking to make at those two positions. Can you imagine being a general manager? And yes, you do all your research in the offseason. I mean, during the season, then you rely on your scouts and your personnel department. And you got all these ideas and it, and then it, the, it, everything just happens. So, I mean, it's, it, this is where they earn their money though. This is how you build a roster. And so you put the time in, I just can't imagine it's like, do they even go home? Can you sleep? Because you know, the East coast when it's 3am here at six o'clock there and you know, people are already on the, uh, on, uh, you know, traveling and they're already starting their day and you're up at three Hey, that that's part of the job. I'm not saying I don't, I'm not feeling for anybody. I'm just saying the pressure that goes into it. And it's for all 32 clubs, probably for every general manager in every sport. I'm just saying you have an idea. And sometimes those ideas go out the door based on a guy like Corey Lindsay, but in less than 12 or 14 hours, you got a guy that maybe you didn't think you would have yesterday. A job well done for general manager Steve Kime and his entire staff. Yeah. And yes, that does include Adrian Wilson. We'll give him a little bit of credit here on the show. We'll give him more credit, though, MJ, if he decides to come on and speak about some of these moves here on Cardinals Cover 2. I can tell you, he was motivated going into the offseason, and he wants double digits and wins. And that's the roster they want to put together going into 2021. I can tell you that. It's our white whale here on Cardinals Cover 2 trying to <laughs> na- snag an, Adri- an interview with Adrian Wilson. We'll, uh, we'll keep trying and uh, probably still get uh, Heisman. Heisman. <laughs> hey, he's, you know, he's in spirit. I mean, I, I got to think he listens to the show every, every day, right? Why do you think this team has been so successful so far here in free agency? Yeah, Listening to us, right? Yeah, I mean, I we, ne- we never mentioned uh, Rodney Hudson until like uh, I don't know, maybe yesterday or today. We love you, Dub. We love you, Adrian. All in good fun. And on that note, Bird Gang, we will put a lid on this busy, jam-packed edition of Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer Jim Mahindra. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Greg Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover Two.